0: job. My name is Paul and I'm your host as always. And today, all the way from the wilds of New Jersey, I have Bobby Mahoney of Bobby Mahoney and The Seventh Son. Bobby, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: For sure. Well, I think the appropriate place to start here is you just put out a new record called We Go On. Um, I've read all of the press that goes goes along with it. And I want to talk about the release show, but before we go there, you were very specific in some of these interviews saying that this is not a pandemic record. Uh, so that was the goal, yeah. yeah. So, so what? What's the negative connotation with it being a, a pandemic record?
1: I don't like in that. I don't know. I felt it was like cheesy when I don't know. Like I feel like it's cheesy when bands any not just any not just pandemic, but like right. any uh, big public uh, issue. I don't like when anything's too on the nose. Right, right. Like, you know, I'm a huge Springsteen fan and like, I I love The Rising, but I could see how maybe even that might be a little (laughs) too, (laughs) like, and just, I don't know, the idea of profiting off of uh, death and suffering of a lot of people, like, I don't know. I felt like there's so much other stuff to sing about and people didn't need to be reminded of the situation. You know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah. Everyone's aware of what's going on. No one needs me to, you know, sing a song about it. go get the jab or whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever the
0: song, you know. So well, um, I, am I, I allowed to curse Am I, I allowed to? Uh, uh, I'll try I, not. Yeah, sorry, 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 I'm interrupting. But I just wanted to say that the the, the the songs are all very positive, right? And that's, that that was my immediate takeaway, is that the songs are are an uplift when you listen to them.
1: Yeah, that's, that was the, again, part of my... I try to be a positive person. I'm not always, but I really at least think the music should be. Even if it's, I like to be realistic in the songs and like we go on the title track. It's, I say it's morbid a bit. It sounds morbid, this whole, you know, everyone and everything will be gone. Right. But maybe we go on, you know, this idea that, you know, while it's kind of nihilistic to a point, but it's also like, you know, it's enjoy our time while we have it. Cause it does matter. Even right. though like ultimately we're just, you know, stardust in that whole idea, right. you know?
0: Right. Cool. Then, and, and I want to go back through some of the songs cause uh, I do think there's some interesting uh, discussion to be had there, but let's, let's talk about the release show because the nuts and bolts of this podcast in particular are about, you know, what artists like you are doing to try to be successful and whatever that means. So, so you, you put out a new record. This is not your first record. Um, and you had a release show. So how are you marking success at this point in your career when you're doing something like this?
1: Um, well, there's the, this for myself personally, um, honestly just trying to get better as a songwriter and as a performer and as a musician from and as a band you right, know right. in a as a at a basic fat, fundamental level because you know even people who are making money off music aren't really making as much money as they'd like to be anymore right. and luckily i'm a teacher i teach music during the day okay. which i'm very lucky to do that and i yeah. find very fulfilling um and like we all have day jobs my drummer's a mechanic and like we all have other stuff to do so the music for me, luckily, and I'm in a fortunate position that it's not like, I don't, this record isn't going to, you know, get, put food on my table. Okay. It you might, heard. you never know. Right. Maybe it will, you know, <laughs> after we we'll hear about it on this podcast, you know, we'll see, right. you know, but like you know, every, anything could happen, you know, but, uh, I, but my goal with this record is like you said, I have put out records. I've done mm-hmm. the whole CD printing CD thing and, uh-huh. you know, done the record release shows and you know, but a lot of those CDs are still sitting in my parents' basement, so I didn't want to do the same thing again, and I didn't want to just put out a new record for the sake of doing it, because we started recording these songs back in October 2020, or, like, you know, late or summer, fall 2020, Right. and even they writing them before that, and the whole idea was, I don't want to just put something out to put something out. I want to be really proud of it. I want to be satisfied as much as possible as a Mm -hmm. songwriter, which is maybe never will be actually happy with it. But like, I'm really proud of this batch of songs. And like, I wanted to really have something to say and show people, this is what we do now. You know, kind of an updated resume in a way, kind of.
0: Right. So when we we think about modern music, right? So everybody can release music now. So that's both uh, an incredible opportunity for everybody. And it's also uh, a terrible opportunity for, for everybody in that there's a glut of music, um, some good, some bad, whatever. And when, when we do things like have a release show, you know, or we try to play shows, do these things, do you think for you, do they still have an impact on the, your ability to create and the message that you want to put out?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think it's, because we have to be very aware of the method of like how we put things out. I mean, we always, always had to be, but like, you know, if it was more profitable in a way nowadays to do a full record and to, you know, I mean, if I had also, if I had the resources to do vinyl, that's another mm-hmm. thing. Like, so like the, the state of the industry had an impact on the way we released it, no matter, you know, just by, because right. of the times. Right. Right. So we ultimately just kind of did mostly digital with this. Um, we burned a couple copies for the release show. I just like hand burned, like you know, I wrote it on Sharpie. We were calling it uh, like NFTs at the that was the joke, right? <laughs> you're, you're really, you NFT. I wrote on it. It's you know unique to you or whatever, you know, uh, like bootlegs, you know. Yeah. And then we, but we also, but we put our money into doing uh, music videos for each song. So we wanted each right. song to have a visual. They're not all out yet, but right. the idea was that we'd have the record digital and then have a visual representation for each song, you know, off the bat. That really was like, you know, again, they trying to read the room in terms of, you know, most people are getting are blowing up on TikTok nowadays. And like, not, you know, I got into this to play the guitar and write songs, not to (laughs) edit videos on my phone, but like, you know, I also can't be a stick in the mud either, you know? So.
0: Right. Right.
1: Again, finding that line between what feels organic to me Mm -hmm. and then also what, is necessary of being a musician in 2022.
0: Is is the physical product still important to you as the artist putting out something? Do you care that you you want to have a physical thing?
1: Uh, In a perfect world, yeah. I I mean, we put a lot of effort into the artwork on this as well, Uh, this great artist, R.B. Rowe, who plays bass in this band, uh, Save Face also, and they have their own music uh, as well, Get Tough. they put, did great visual for uh, We Go On, and I would love, it screams, please press me on a, you know, vinyl sleeve. <laughs> we almost even just did the vinyl sleeves, but unfortunately, one, just the turnaround times on vinyl are so long, oh, and it's so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wanted to be, like, these five songs, I really, they're, I think they're, I mean, they mean a lot to me, and I want to get them out there. But I also, within a year, I'd like to be kind of on to the next thing. Because, again, I've been sitting on these for so long. And then doing vinyl, it just was going to drag the thing out. So to get back to your question, yes, I think the idea of having it physical matters. And that's why we did still burn a couple physical. So, again, for some people, it does matter. For me personally, I
0: kind of can go either way with it at this point. Mm -hmm.
1: Because, again, I... Again, I'm sitting next to my whole shelf of right. records. There's a bunch of vinyl here.
0: behind them, everyone, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So, I have a whole bunch of records here. And, you know, but I, I use Spotify, the devil. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, I'm a big Neil Young fan, but I still, I, you, know, I, you know, I still use Spotify because it's easy. Or YouTube, you know, I find right. myself using that a lot. It's there. Um, you know, I, I you know. Again, it's I I do like vinyl and I like that idea of the physicality of it and I I do love the idea of being able to have that. But also, you said everybody has access to recording and putting out music. Right. The resources yeah. necessary to do vinyl and that and really do physical well to the ability that I would love to is frankly kind of out of my right. ability right. at the moment. Right.
0: So yeah, and that I think that that's a good point. Everybody can record in their bedroom and get. You know, even if they're a terrible songwriter, they can get high quality sounding songs. But getting that physical copy, if you're talking about vinyl or you're talking about cassette for whatever reason, you know, that's that's where the bottleneck still is. Everybody can put out CDs. But, you know, I talk to a lot of artists now and, you know, there's less focus on CD and it's more about, well, people are going to listen to this realistically streaming. And then if they want a physical copy, they'll buy a record. Right. And that's kind of where we are in the industry, I think right now.
1: Yeah. And again, like on one hand as a consumer, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Again, we have all recorded music in our pocket at any given time. Right. You know, Um. I think uh, I was listening to a Todd Rundgren interview where he was talking about how now we have so much choice now, but back in the day you kind of were by being forced to listen to whatever was on the radio, right. you kind of got exposed to more different things and like, you know, so me putting on the same things I listen to all the time, you know, like I got on one hand is great. Cause I get, I can, you know, put on anything I want, but I have to kind of go a bit more out of my way to kind of be exposed to new things without choosing, you know what I mean? Or even right. just like, right. the, He mentioned in the interview, there's that feeling of, Oh, this song that I wouldn't have put on myself just came on the radio, but I'm going to listen to it and it's exciting. And it makes me think of a particular moment, but I wouldn't have gone and put on right. whatever song myself. <laughs> So that's an interesting thing too. And like, you know, I think like for my music, I think if I always say, if you put us in front of people, you know, I think you'd be entertained or I think you would enjoy right. us, but it's a matter of getting people to even just turn on the sound or right. even, you know, right. come to, well come out to a show or even just, you know, click the link on their phone. You know, that's the battle right. really is, you know, getting people to hear it and then getting them to invest in you and care about what you're doing.
0: What's the right length, do you think, right now? So I think there's five songs on this on this EP. Yeah, um, I've I think for the last couple of years I've really felt like five songs is feels like the right length for modern releases. It's not too long, it's not too short. You know, if you dig it, you can get into it, and then if it's not enough, you can go dig into other stuff. What's your thought on that?
1: Yeah. So um, for me, I. I mean, obviously, I think I, I think the five songs is perfect length. Right. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> the <Absolutely> perfect length. <laughs> definitely, but it, for me, when we recorded these five, I went into it didn't I didn't know if it was gonna be the first half of an LP or like mm-hmm. a full length. I didn't know if it was gonna be five singles. I didn't know if it was gonna be a three or four song EP with like one extra. I didn't know what it was gonna be really. Right. Um we tracked these five, and we I think we actually that wasn't exactly in the order that we ended up with, but it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. And then, but as we listened to the early mixes and stuff and I kind of started playing with it in my head, I was like, I think we have a th- a piece of music here that stands up on its own, you know, obviously not in a way of like a, an opera or a, like a double record necessarily, but like, I think there's a coherent thing between it's 20 mm-hmm. minutes of music, which is very economic and again, in today's world with, right. you know, I was about to say something about short attention spans, but a 10-minute Taylor Swift song was the biggest song last year, so I don't know (laughs) about that. But, like, you know, I think for us at this moment in time, the 20 minutes, the five songs covers a lot of ground sonically and shows a lot of what we do from, you know, uh, the softer acoustic-y stuff to the more hard rock elements and the punk elements and the melodic elements as well. So I think it's a good again, a good resume of like, here's what we can do and kind of where we're going.
0: Agreed. So you, the, the first song that you put out was Moth of the Flame. So you put that yeah. out a couple of uh, months, I think, or at least a couple of weeks before, before the record came out, which was just recently. Um, but then you went slower for the, for the second single with a song called Lay It On Me. Um, yeah. the, the rest of the songs are, are pretty up-tempo on the record. So why this song as, as number two?
1: I thought it would would kind of take people off guard a bit because again, it's a little bit different from what we normally do. We do have softer songs, you know, um, but I it's different in that it starts kind of quiet and then it gets loud and obnoxious. like a lot of our stuff, but, um, Andrew's (laughs) guitar playing really shines on it. I think it's catchy. Uh, it also like the lyrics are pretty impactful and, uh, I think it was again, I think it was going like, Moth of the Flame felt like an updated version of like what we do best.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, like this Bobby Mahoney music at its core, this is it. You know, that's what we do.
0: Like, Empty Passenger Where, Seats, like an update from that sort of style, yeah, right? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Definitely. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And yes, kind of, yeah. And that way, like, this is that kind of feeling of like that melodic punk energetic, you know, catchy, you know, three and a half minute bread and butter kind of song. Great. And I can open it. It's a great opener for the record. It's a good opening song for a set. Like, you know, it's a good kick in the pants to start, but then lay it on me again. It shows a different side of us that, again, I don't think people were necessarily expecting. Right. So.
0: Right. Cool. Because uh, yeah, definitely a lot of your songs have sort of that uh, against me, maybe Menzinger kind of punk rock but more, you know, with some storytelling or folk element, Gaslight or or Bruce Springsteen, who you already mentioned, um, you know, so you're, yeah. you're kind of mixing all of that up in, you know, that there's also a little bit of like that 80s hard rock swagger, maybe in some of the songs, you know, so how are yeah. you taking all of these influences? I mean, you're just saying, whatever, here's what the song sounds like.
1: I mean, yeah, because I mean, that's what everything you just mentioned is what I listened to and what I right. grew up on, you know, Springsteen and ACDC and Bon Jovi were like my Holy Trinity growing up, which again, it <laughs> says a lot about where I, it says a lot about, me, but it's true. And I mean, and I ended my palette a bit in the time since then, but honestly, not really, because, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but you know, we've been, I wear our, our sleeve, but I, I am also proud of because again c- coming from Asbury Park, you know, you throw a rock, you right. hit a guy with a Telecaster. You know, right. I I take pride in my you know be hard pressed to have any songs be like oh that's uh, a Born to Run rip off or oh that's a TNT rip off or oh that's a you know fifty nine sound rip off. But I think you can hear those influences. But I, I take a lot of pride in doing it very in like, what I think is a unique way. And like I like I. when I I teach songwriting and I talk about it with my students, I like you, even if like the same chords everyone else in the world uses and the same melodies and things like that, that, again, there's only 12 notes. You're, you haven't used those notes and you haven't said what they, from your perspective, you know? So, I feel like, yeah, you know, I do think that there is something that taking all these influences, but then, you know, making it Bobby,
0: you know, and making it,
1: much myself as I can. And I'm, I'm very wary of trying to be something that I'm not musically. And I very aware I could probably do pretty well leaning into a more of an emo thing or leaning more into the hard rock thing and doing more of like a, you know, Greta Van Fleet type thing. Right. You know, I could lean into doing even like a more of a country singer songwriter type folky thing. But I feel like doing what I'm doing is just, you know, what I what I, what I would try to write the songs I'd like to listen to. Right,
0: right. Um, so I
1: like the yeah. So I like the lyrics of the Springsteen and the Brian Fallon, with, you know, loud guitars of ACDC with the yeah. power chorus of Bon Jovi, you know, and all that. And that's kind of what we do, I think.
0: Which brings me to lyrics first, music first, some sort of mix of the two. How are you normally handling that?
1: usually a lyric or a, some sort of hook first, uh, but it could be a guitar hook. So like Moth to the Flame kind of started with the chorus. And then I had a little bit of that guitar lick um, from the beginning. And that really was the whole song. Whereas Lay It On Me kind of was, I wrote down a bunch of lyric bits um, from a lot of different things. And then also had this Lay It On Me chorus idea. But then Andrew, our guitar player had that, the lead guitar parts in the middle from another composition that he had worked on. So that, so to answer your question, no, no, but like all the different <laughs> ways, but, you know, um, usually lyrics first, a lot of them are myself, uh, with an acoustic guitar vocal mm. in this, you know, lyrics. And a lot of the time that the song is there in like outline skeleton form, but then I bring it to, the guys in the band and, you know, I might have an idea for the drums, but I'm a terrible drummer. So James will actually play or you know, come up with a real drum part. That's playable, you mm-hmm. know, and we'll <laughs> make it not stuck. And Andrew will take my guitar parts. And again, I'm not to, you know, anyone listening who doesn't know me, I'm not, I'm usually not the kind of person to pat myself on the back, but I can, I've been playing the guitar a while. I'm, I have an idea of what I'm doing in terms of rock guitar, jazz, mm-hmm. no rock <laughs> guitar. I have a decent idea, you know, <laughs> (laughs) uh but andrew my guitar player makes me feel like a student like he you know and i'm you know we're all still students don't get me wrong but like you know he like you know really pushes me to play better and learn you know more and like he will place something on a song that i would never would have thought of to complement it really well and add add another color or dimension that i wouldn't have thought of and our bass player john Chang soon is a great songwriter in his own right and so he adds this element of pop sensibility and like more modern music and like synthy elements, you know, on the record, like we were calling him the keeper of the vibes. He's like, you know, he was the one (laughs) playing like the Juno synth stuff on a lot of this other stuff. stuff And yeah.
0: Cool. Cool. Uh, I want to, before we move on to something else, I want to make a couple of points about a couple of more songs. Take what you can get the, the hurry up and wait uh part i mean that just as a guy who's played in bands and needed to get to venues and that whole thing of hurry up and wait hurry up and wait that spoke to me immediately so so that's that's pretty great um but the the song that really caught my attention was no amens in this van um so so tell us tell us about that song i feel like there's a story there
1: yeah very much uh we were down on in our last like. The longest we've really gone out on the road is like about two weeks. Okay, and we're all still doing self booking, myself and Andrew. Uh, so we're on our way down to Florida. We're in Miami. We're on our way to Miami. We're about ten minutes out from this venue. Our good friend down there, Taylor Davis, who's a great singer songwriter down there, he uh, hooked us up with this gig at the Lincoln's Beard Brewery. We're on the uh, Palmetto Expressway, and ten minutes out, Andrew, our guitar player, is driving the van. And all of a sudden I'm like sitting in the back like, you know, texting my fiance or whatever, and oh shit, oh fuck. Oh shit, oh fuck. And I go, What? What's wrong? Andrew, speak. And then he's like, the van's locked up. So he's we somehow man my drummer kind of was able to guide him over to the side. Wow. And yeah, so then luckily we we're all safe and that's all fine. And like it wasn't like we're like it wasn't there's no like, you know, uh the movie's not coming out anytime soon. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't anything too dramatic, but like, you know uh, we were okay, but like we were stuck on the side of the road and our friend uh, Taylor's like, well, I'm going to come, you know, rescue you guys and at least bring some of the equipment and a couple of the guys to the venue while we wait for the tow truck and everything while we deal with that. But of course, you know, like it felt like we were in like a John Candy movie or something. Cause like, of course that day he decided to bring his fiance's mini Cooper to the gig so literally it was like a you know a fucking clown car and we're all trying to put our stuff in and you know we had to, he had to, he took like multiple trips to the venue it was it was bad but we got stuck in miami for like two or three days and we had to cancel a gig or two and like wow. ultimately there are worse places to get stuff yeah, for sure in <laughs> yeah. miami so that was fun um but our uh, photographer and merch person Hannah uh, was with us, and she had they toured with some Warp Tour bands a couple years ago and stuff. And she had mentioned that when they had broke down one of their phrases in the band she was with at the time. Um, I think it was handguns. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. Um, she said that when they broke down, it was they said this phrase: "No amens in this van." Okay. And I was like, well, that's just good enough to steal. And again, there's that phrase about good, you know, good songwriters borrow, great ones steal. So I'm like, that's too good to not use. <laughs> and while I'm in the hotel room that we were, you know, we were hauled up in for a couple of days, I started strumming an acoustic and I, mean, I don't have the notebook right here, but the song kind of came together cool. pretty quickly. And that acoustic rendition, it wasn't exact, but pretty much. And then Andrew did like a home demo and logic with, um, with him and his roommate and like, you know, did like, it was all programmed drums and stuff. Mm. But, and that's when Andrew kind of started doing these like very eighties guitar, you know, licks on it. And like, Andrew's a, you know, a child of eighties hair metal. And again, the song kind of started from like a folky acoustic bit, but then he's doing all these dive bombs and shit on it. And I'm like, that is kind of what we do. Like, you know, let's lean into it. (laughs) And then we, you know, then it kind of, this other half the other second half of the song kind of opens up and gets a bit more uh, spacey and you know, a bit more open. Um and then it gets back to being, you know, right in your face rock and roll. So it's a it's a fun one and it is kind of a sleeper on yeah. record.
0: It's it's definitely a cool song and, and those guitar bits that you were talking about immediately perked my ears up, but but it but it's a great song, and as you just said, I think it's representative of of the stuff that you do with some maybe more newer, newer stuff that you might be bringing in, in the future or, or something like that. That's just the vibe that, that I got. As always, for everyone listening, I'll drop all the links um, into the podcast description so you can check it out. And I certainly recommend everybody check out all the stuff. You can also go to YouTube. And what I was struck by when I went and checked out your stuff on YouTube is, holy shit, they're making pro videos. So what's, what's yeah. the story there?
1: So we've been fortunate to over the years i mean while i'm very you know fortunate and i've worked hard to have my name on the project i've worked hard with with a lot of people that have been very helpful and been, lend their talents to us and we've worked with a lot of really cool people cool. and over the years our good pal zach morrison uh who i went to high school with he's a uh, east brunswick grad Rutgers grad columbia grad he's an award-winning filmmaker he's actually i think in uh maybe Minnesota right now or uh, somewhere. I, I He's going to yell at me if I'm not remembering, but he's out he's like filming like a pilot for like a sitcom that he wrote okay. that he's trying to get picked up and stuff and, you know, really talented guy. So he did a lot of our early music videos. And for this record, uh, we worked with this, uh, Chris Kunchuck, uh Multimedia. He works with a lot of the local guys at Asbury Park and New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Chris is awesome. Really great dude. He played, you know, um, he has a band as well, American Stereo, and uh, he also plays in a band, Marigold. And then he also does like everybody and their brother's music video. Okay. And they're all great. And they're all different. Um, so he did the visuals for this record with us. Uh, the And we, again, we filmed a video for each song. And the idea is we had a, kind of a color scheme
0: mm-hmm.
1: for each song. It's so, like Moth of the Flame is kind of the red uh, thing you can get is blue uh Noemans is orange lay on me is green and then we go on is purple so we kind of had this color cool. motif yeah. cool. you know and again i'm trying to be thinking about like what works now and thinking about visuals and how important that is with social media and youtube and you know i know that you have to sell it visually too so you know and i'm kind of funny looking so i have to do something <laughs> you know
0: but, well, if you, I mean, I don't recommend it, of course, but uh, if you go in and look at some of the comments on YouTube, because, I don't know, for whatever reason, you commenting on YouTube turns people into horrible, horrible monsters sometimes. But uh, yeah. a lot of the comments are about your voice. And you mentioned earlier, you know, maybe going into the emo direction. I think your voice, first of all, you have a you have a great distinctive voice, right? And, and I definitely feel like you could easily put on some eyeliner and go full emo like huh. tomorrow if you wanted to do that <laughs>
1: i probably could I, I don't think my friends and family would be happy with me they pay <laughs> back oh god he's like he, he wasn't insufferable enough <laughs> um no <laughs> um, i don't know i mean again i we do a mean uh teenagers by my chemical romance cover you know what i mean cool. and uh so we do lean into that sometimes And again, I. I grew up on that stuff and, you know, when black parade comes on, I stand up and salute the flag, you know, of course, (laughs) but I don't know. Uh, It also feels like there's enough people doing that Mm -hmm. right now that I feel like they have that covered. Right. And like, I don't know, like I, while I meant, you know, I'm all for singing about, you know, mental health and all those things and that, but I do feel like the whole, I don't need to market me being sad too much you know what i mean like
0: for sure yeah so again like we
1: talked about that a little bit before in terms of like the songs being positive and stuff like that and like again i'm not i'm not this you know ray of sunshine i promise (laughs) (laughs) you know my fiance's probably left in the other room but like yeah like you know i'm certainly not but at the same time like nobody wants to watch me be all sad about shit on stage you know, people come to see us to watch me jump around and light myself on fire right, on stage. Right. But wow,
0: I I guess the point is, I'm not I don't I don't know that the songs are like happy. Right. But the songs, the the feeling, the vibe is an uplift, which is which is different. Yeah. Right. It's a it's a it's an energy versus like, here's a happy message that I'm going to hit you in the face with. It's not that. Right. It's it's, yeah. a, it's an uplift. So. So, again, well, w- well done on, on the songwriting, because if that's what you're going for, you're, you're getting it done.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and again, like, ultimately, I think music should be reflective. I don't agree with the whole shut up and sing mm-hmm. idea. I think musicians and songs should be of the times and should be politically charged when necessary. Mm-hmm. But I do understand also that people want to be entertained. You know, and not everybody is going to agree with, you know, uh, what I think about, you know, what I think our tax money should be used for necessarily. And I got no, it's not a time for that. But I did say at our shows the other night that, like, you know, if like you have an issue with, like, you know, queer kids or trans kids, please get the fuck out of my show.
0: Right.
1: right. So, like, you know, while some things I don't, you know, again, I don't need to like my parents saw Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young in like the early 2000s. And as great as they all are, half the show was about how terrible Bush is, or Bush was, is however you want to go with it. Which, again, <laughs> I'm not here to necessarily argue with that, yeah. but at the same time, they don't need to make, a, when people are paying money to hear you sing your songs, and their so- your songs mean something to them, you know, you don't have to make the whole concert about that. Right. You know, so, like, yeah, I do th- agree about, I want to be real, you know, and I want to be, you know, some things should be sung about, you know, not everything. It should be necessarily a, you know, happy-go-lucky thing. And I know you said it's definitely not, but overall, again, I, I go back to that, you know, Springsteen, Brian Fallon thing, but those songs have an uplifting Mm -hmm. feeling in a lot of them, even if they are not happy, there is like that tinge of, yeah, as dark, 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 but it could be all right. Right against me uh, as I well right my, when
0: you listen to uh Laura Jane Grace's songs it's the, a similar similar thing
1: yeah certainly and even like there's that uh, a bit of that Warren Zevon humor yeah. cynicism yeah. bit that like I love that Warren Zevon's one of my favorite writers for as much of an asshole he probably was you know uh <laughs> he's great you know and like he that way of like yeah things are terrible but like there's yeah humor in it or there's something in it that's like yeah but like uh, one of the best things is that like Warren's Yvonne said, enjoy every sandwich. And I try to embody that <laughs> as much as possible because, you know, because when it's done, it's done. And that's really what right. we go on is kind of, about, you right, know, right.
0: We just covered uh, things to do in Denver the other night. We, we played that the other night. It was fun. It was fun to play. Um, that's awesome. I got uh, two more sort of completely 180 degree questions here. First is, the Batman tattoo. So it's not for yeah. the Batman because I noticed in some of the older photos, you already had it. So, so what's the Batman yeah, I've tattoo had it. All, all about?
1: <laughs> it was my second tattoo. Um, I had a, th- I have Thunder Road lyrics on this arm. Okay. That was my first tattoo. Um, but, but growing up, Batman was always my favorite superhero. And, uh, I think part of it, well, again, just cause, you know, fucking Batman of course he's right. awesome you know of course you know like, I mean. You know. but even like I loved the old Adam West but for me they were reruns but like you know the right. old Adam West you know version and I, the animated series is still probably the definitive for me yeah. but then you know, all the movies like you know Michael Keaton, the Val Kilmer you know even as a kid I did a pr- I liked Batman and Robin for as silly as it was
0: yeah.
1: and then you know obviously the Nolan movies and you know Fleck is you know a thing to watch sometimes you know it's there but yeah. uh, I really liked the Robert Pattinson movie, but for me also like growing up, and this is, I didn't think about it much, but the other day I said to my mom, after the release shows, I said that, you know, this whole thing is kind of just me fulfilling my preschool goal of wanting to put on some sort of Batman show or production in my (laughs) parents' backyard, which they want to know part of. So I think maybe there's something to do with that too, but you know, a lot of my tattoos kind of remind me just to, you know, be a kid at heart right. tomorrow's my birthday actually which again i'm not yeah. saying that to be like right oh on. happy hey. birthday
0: no that's I, good that's I great. Hate
1: when people are like oh it's my birthday <laughs> like you no know, fuck you but no but like but my point is that like you know as i'm getting older i do try as you know as much as i do stress out about things and you know drive myself crazy i do try to remind myself to be a kid and enjoy myself too because you know that's important yeah so right on. that's why i have a batman tattoo of a peter pan tattoo i have an acdc tattoo or, you know all that kind of stuff so Great. these um, remind me to be
0: yeah yeah cool uh last thing here what's the what's the bon jovi story so did you actually play with bon jovi
1: we did you, no no we made that up for the press release okay. no no, 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 yeah, no yeah we did actually play with them yes we uh so it was a. Uh, it, the, for the actual story is pretty hilarious. So it starts off like a commercial because I was in Disney world with my family. I'm in Epcot. <laughs> hey, you asked for the story. So here it is. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already excited. It, it starts, started out great. Great. So I'm in Mexico eating food at Epcot. <laughs> and I get an, an email from a friend of mine who I, I am. not It doesn't matter. But he said, give me a call when you can. I had sent him our record at that point, you know, um, it doesn't matter. A good pal, uh, Harvey Leeds. He works with Southside Johnny. He works with a lot of bands. Um, he called me. He said, email me. He's like, give me a call when you give a chance. So I said, okay. So I go over by the bathrooms in the Epcot Pavilion and I give Harvey a call. And Harvey's awesome. He's a very intelligent person. He knows a lot about the music industry. I have a lot to learn from him. He's great. He calls me and he's like, I call him and he says, "Do you have a band that's like, like you know avail- like around to be able to play right now?" And I said, "Yes." He said, "Are you available this Sunday?" I said, "Well, I fly back from Florida Friday. We're supposed to play a gig in DC Saturday, and then I'm supposed to play a show at William Patterson uh, University on Sunday, where I my alma mater, where I went to school. That's actually how I met Harvey. I met him through uh, one of my professors, David Philp, at William Patterson." Okay. And Harvey said, Oh shit, you got a gig Sunday. Okay. I'm like, Oh, well, what's up? He said, Oh, well, I may have had a gig for you. And I'm like, Oh, well, what was it? You know, kind of curiosity. He said, oh, you, you really want to know? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, we needed a band to open it uh, for Bon Jovi at the Prudential Center. <laughs> so I'm like, we're there. <laughs> I come like, in. He said, but what about William William Patterson? I said, fuck them. I said, they'll find somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I I love Willie P. Shout out to Willie P. And I kind of left them hanging. They had to find a band to fill in for this other thing. But they totally also understood. Of of course.
0: Why wouldn't they understand? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: The the Alumni Association loved it. They're they're still happier about it than I am. You know. Um, But so. Yeah. So we literally. I'm like, and this is like on Monday. Monday or Tuesday, and the gig is Sunday. So, and I'm in, I'm in Disney World. I'm like, am I on candid camera? Like, am I getting punked right now? Like, this is like, I'm also like, again, if you couldn't tell like, by the Peter Pan tattoo comment, I'm also a big Disney nerd, which, you know, I should be shoved in a locker for it. And I understand that. And it loses all my punk cred, but I am a corporate chill for one company only, for the mouse, but... I have a lot of nostalgia for going there as a kid, you know, my family. So I'm with my family, my parents and my sister who are the most supportive people in the world, you know, along with my fiance. Like they're yeah. like, you know, I'm there with my parents and my sister. And I'm like, I go back to the table and I'm like, so Harvey said, all right, send me, he's like, if you want to do it, send me your best music video, a couple of links. And I have to get it approved. I'll call you back to let you know for sure. So for that, for that hour or two, I'm like, I think we're opening for Bon Jovi on Sunday, but I don't know for sure yet. So I'm thinking either this is going to be the best thing in the world or I'm going to have the biggest, no, you know what? John didn't like it, you know. I just don't know if it was John. I'm assuming it got, because he is kind of the CEO of everything. Okay. So I think okay. I'm, I'm fairly certain it wouldn't we wouldn't have played if he didn't enjoy it at least a little bit uh, or somebody in their camp okayed it so then like an hour or two later i mean i wasn't able to finish my tacos i was a fucking mess i was not able to enjoy the rides i was just kind of like on a, in a haze and then i got this then I he called me back an hour or two later and was like you're in cool. so cool. then i called my band i called my drummer at work i said like i first i was like are you sitting down or do you have a clean pair of pants <laughs> and cause we're all big fans i mean it's the local hometown hero right. you know again sure. like for the people you can't see it if you're listening, but I have a Bon Jovi poster right here yeah, okay, from when yeah, I went to see them open at Prudential Center in 2007 when they opened the arena. My Chemical Romance opened for them, which is a weird show and probably shouldn't have worked at all. And it didn't really. But, um, but yeah, we got to within a week's notice, we got to play an arena show with our heroes and like, it was as cool as you would think it would be, you know? Right. Right. But it was also like every other gig at the same time, hurry up and wait, you know? Yeah. So, like, it was also like, you know, hilariously normal. And, like, it, we, again, we had done our homework and it was one of those you have to be ready for the call when it comes. And I'm very thankful that the guys and I were, I felt anyway like we were ready for that at that's, the time. That's and, like,
0: cool. It, it was it was awesome. It's a it's a big step to step on a gigantic stage when you you haven't sort of done that before, and you have to. Yeah, I would agree. You have to live in the moment, right? You can't think that it's too big for you.
1: No, and like of course in the during the first song, my you know our you know dinky guitar center wirelesses, you know, mine goes <laughs> out and I like guess not really <laughs> equipped to handle. So I, of course, thank God I had like a hard cable next to my yeah. pedal board. So after the first song, I that and you know. And of course, like, you know, it probably was not our tightest set musically because, you know, there is that element of, oh, fuck, we're playing the, you know, local hockey arena, you know, and it worked out because I kind of went into it thinking, guys, there's a chance we're going to play to 20 people early in that big empty room. Be prepared. Be prepared. They could boo us off after 10 minutes and that could be it, you know. You know, but. They actually ended up holding our set a little bit um, because of like uh, there was something with the arena that they had to wait. So by the time we actually went on, it was probably half full. And then by the time we were done playing, I wouldn't say it was full, but it was
0: getting there.
1: It was, it was a few people in there.
0: Yeah, that's um,
1: which that's again funny. was it was it was like it was like a movie. And I'm not trying to. Uh, Oversell it, you know, in any way, but it was it was very cool. Yeah, and I don't think again, you can
0: oversell it. You open for Bon Jovi. That there's no overselling possible there. That's it's a it's a great uh, experience. It's it's super cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and very fortunate again. Like you know, first song I ever sang in front of anybody was "One Dead or Alive" in the fifth grade talent show. <laughs> you know, so that not very well, mind you, not very well. But um, so that was again that big moment for us. But also like. It was just a gig and yep. you know here we are and yep. we just on the four-year anniversary of that we played our the first night of our two nights of sold out at cd release shows last weekend yep. cool. so in some ways you know we played to a lot less people but you know and you know you would think you know state uh, arena to the saint you know 150 cap club you know where's that trajectory but given the world over the last four years and given that we were able to sell it out you know with our us and our friends who, and bands on the bill and you know releasing our new music it you know that maybe meant just as much in some ways you know
0: for sure for sure that's it's all super great uh i want to thank everyone who's listening and supporting the podcast it is very much appreciated please continue to do so please tell your friends and like and subscribe and do all of that i want to thank bobby mahoney and the seventh son bobby mahoney uh being the main guy uh since his name is on the marquee. Uh Bobby, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's yeah. been great to to talk to you.
1: Thank you, Paul. I appreciate your time and I appreciate you listening. Okay. And you obviously did your homework, which I very much appreciate. <laughs> and uh I hope we can hang some uh, sometime again. Yeah thank you. Appreciate everybody listening.